0: Oh, wonderful. It's early, and we still say it. It's great. Um, Yeah, so Andy got up here and said, and I quote, Cliff is going to deliver Joel's message. I've never found that it works very well when you try and do something that somebody else does. It takes me back to elementary school, actually. And we used to have these fundraisers where you would, you know, get your neighbor to give you like 10 cents every time you jump a rope, right? I was okay at that one, right? Or, or 25 cents for every basket you make in the gymnasium, right? I did really well in that one. Um, but then there was also the one where they, they gave you 10 cents to go towards new playground equipment for every time you would twirl a hula hoop on your hips, I did not do well in that one. I flailed about and fell multiple times. And the gym teacher got up and she said to me, just do what I do. And she showed me how to do it. And you can imagine, I tried to do what she had already done for me and it did not work. And so when my neighbor had pledged 10 cents, I brought a whole 50 cents back for that fundraiser. So I will be somewhat giving what Joel had planned to talk about today, but I'm going to put my own little twist on it a little bit. Because as we were uh, driving back from vacation yesterday, I pulled into the gas station to get gas in our van, and uh, I looked down at my phone while the gas is pumping, and it said I had 28 text messages. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm popular. No, I'm just teasing. I didn't think that. I, I thought, who is trying to get in touch with me? I thought maybe my family's going back and forth. And it was texts from the elders here at the church. And I thought, oh no, what's, what's going on? And Joel was telling us that he was sick. And as I'm finishing up and pulling out, I said, guys, just, uh, I'll be there. Just, just put me down to help out in any way that I can, right? And so then we, we go down the road. Uh, the texts are off while I'm driving. I get to the next spot. And I open it up, and there's, you know, 10 other text messages. And the very first one says, you will not believe it, but Cliff has volunteered to come and to preach the message tomorrow. I mean, it's amazing how this works, the power of text messaging, even when you don't know that you're actually doing it, right? Um, But I'm I'm happy to be here um, because uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about one of my favorite passages, first from the Gospel of Luke. And then from the second volume that Luke has given us in the book of Acts. And um, much of what I say is not going to match what's on the screen because of all of these things. Uh, if you're to cast stones, cast them at me. This is all my fault. No one back there, they know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing, so uh, we'll go with this. But I'm going to ask you, this is just four verses. It's not going to be on the screen, but I just want you to listen. This is, um, we, we all have passages of Scripture, Where we can hear them over and over and over and constantly glean from them. This is one of those passages, it only appears in the Gospel of Luke. It's not in Matthew, Mark, or John. But I want to read it for you. And I'm just gonna ask if you would, if you would stand in honor of reading God's Word today. Again, it's not gonna be up there, so if you want, you can follow along in your own Bible. It's Luke 10, 38 to 42. Or if you're so inclined, you can just close your eyes and listen and meditate as I read them. But this is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is good, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the many blessings that you give us in our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can gather together as your people this morning, open our hearts to be satisfied by your word this morning. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on us, for we are indeed sinners. And we pray this in Jesus' name, who with you and the Spirit reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. You can be seated. I really enjoy this passage, but I think I enjoy it because it means something slightly different for me now than it did as I was growing up. Because as this passage is usually read, we think, oh, poor Martha, she's so distracted in all these things that she's doing. Why can't she just get this right? Do what Mary's doing, but not what Martha's doing. But if you notice, in these four verses, Jesus offers no condemnation of Martha at all. No condemnation of Martha at all. In fact, the next time Jesus comes to the village, it's not Mary who runs after Jesus. It's not Lazarus, their brother, whom he raised from the dead. That would make me want to run for him. But it was Martha who ran after Jesus. I think what Luke is trying to remind us in this story is that in the kingdom of Christ, there must be, in fact, hearers and doers of the word. There must be those who contemplate and think deeply on the words of Jesus and those who live lives devoted to action and service of those words, listening to his words and then doing those words. The point of this story isn't to say, be like Mary and not Martha, but the church has for 2,000 years understood this passage to teach, be like Mary and Martha. Devote yourself to listening at the feet of Jesus and then serving Jesus in his body. And this is important background for us to keep in mind when we ask the question this morning and then again next week about what is a deacon in the Christian church. Just as I think this passage tells us our own individual selves need times of contemplation and times of service, so also the body of Christ have those who devote themselves to lives of listening and obedience and those who devote themselves to lives of service. And so we're going to turn now, and this one will be on the screen, to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, uh, a passage uh, just after Pentecost in, the, in Acts where we see a problem that the church encounters, and the way that the church deals with the problems. Now, it has been told to me that I am reading from the wrong version of the Bible this morning because it doesn't match exactly the way it's up on the screen. Again, my fault, not theirs. But we can follow along together. Uh, Verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose... Against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Notice, I'm going to stop right there for just a second, because I want you to notice something. Notice the complaint in verse 1. It's from the Hellenists to the Hebrews. The Hellenists were the Greek-speaking Jews who lived outside of Palestine as part of what we call the diaspora those Jews who were dispersed outside of Palestine. The Hebrews in this passage are those native Palestinians. They spoke Aramaic and attended the Hebrew-speaking synagogues. And it seems in this multicultural context of the church, the Hellenistic widows were being unintentionally, excuse me, I can't talk, unintentionally neglected. In the daily distribution. Now, what is the daily distribution? If you remember, at the institution of the church in Acts chapter 4, we see that they met together for the breaking of bread, the listening to the apostles' teaching, prayer, and they had all things in common so that they could distribute to those who have need. That's what this distribution is. And these Hellenist widows are being overlooked. That can happen in any church, can't it? So often churches can grow, which is a great thing, but that creates times where we might overlook needs that certain ones in the church have. So what was the solution that was proposed here in Acts chapter six? Let me read the rest of the way through verse seven. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right or pleasing and Prochorus and Nicanor, and Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests even became obedient to the faith. Notice what the apostles do as a solution to this division within the church. They appoint seven, not just ones they like, not their friends or those they think might just do this better than others, but those who have shown themselves to be wise, those who have followed uh, and shown they lived in the spirit. And these would devote themselves daily the distribution needs of the congregation. But here's what I want you to see. Notice the names. We don't hear Bartholomew or Judas or James or Timothy, but we hear names like Stephen and Philip and Prochorus. These are all Hellenist names. They've chosen men from the group who had need because they understood the need that the church had. This, the church has historically taken to be the institution of deacon ministry within the Christian church. Those who could see the need and who could fulfill that need to serve the people. So the apostles would keep their attention full-time on spiritual leadership of the church and the administration of these needs would go to these men who are chosen. Think back to the story of Martha and Mary. This isn't a statement that the spiritual leadership of the church is more important than the service of the church, but it's more so that they can't be divided in two different ways. Some give focus to this, while others give focus to this. It's the the Pauline members of the body, right? Not everyone is an ear or an eye or a nose. These officers of the church, elders on the one hand and deacons on the other, are given to devote themselves to focus on one aspect of ministry and allow others to focus on the other. So what is a deacon? Deacon. We get the word deacon quite literally as a transliteration from the Greek word diakonos, which simply means a servant, right? So a deacon is a servant. A deacon is the one who would be doing just as Martha was doing when the Lord came to visit. Now, before you say, oh, that's great for them. Every person in the church is called to be a servant without exception. Paul said, put others, revere others more important than yourself in Philippians 2 after reminding us that Jesus humbled himself and put us before himself, not thinking his divinity something to be taken advantage of. So what we see in Acts 7 and 8 are also that Stephen and Philip, who were set aside as deacons, will also preach the gospel, even martyred for the sake of the gospel. So it's not that they are servants and these are not, or vice versa, but everyone is called to sit at the feet of Jesus and also to serve him. Of course, the question that I want to think about a little bit today and I know Joel wanted to address this, is why doesn't Grace Fellowship have deacons as part of our leadership structure? I'm so glad you asked because Joel was anticipating you doing that. Grace is an elder-led church. We are this way because this is the pattern of the New Testament. Whenever Paul would institute a church in Crete, or in Galatia, or wherever he would go, the consistent pattern is that he would institute an elder who would oversee this church. In fact, that language of elder and overseer in the New Testament is interchangeable. We see Paul sometimes calling these leaders elders, other times overseers, and often they have a pastoral function. They're looking over the flock and shepherding shepherding them. Here at Grace, we have six elders, Joel and Andy, who you saw earlier, are our staff paid elders, and we have four lay elders, myself included. We've been talking about the institution of a deacon ministry here at Grace for about five years, but since the inception of Grace, we've operated with a leadership pipeline that looks somewhat like this. The elders provide spiritual leadership, curating the church, setting the overall mission, vision, and core values. The staff, we are blessed with a tremendous staff. I hope you know that and show them appreciation regularly. But they carry out the day-to-day ministry of the church, implementing this mission, vision, and core values in the everyday life of the church. We also have life group leaders, some of you I see even now, who make disciples through relational small groups, caring for the needs of the people in that group. And then we also have ministry team leaders who give direction and oversight to teams within our church that carry out the ministry of their team and are service-oriented, working internally and also externally here at GFC. Now, we've often said over the years that our life group leaders and our ministry team leaders are often operating in the role that a deacon would operate in unofficially. But if Scripture shows that wherever Paul went, he instituted elders uh, to lead the church, and in the same passage we see the qualifications of elders we see also deacons being installed to ensure that all the needs of the people in whatever category they fall, wherever those divisions might be, then should we not also have a place for an officially ordained and installed deacons in ministry here at GFC? Uh, For what it's worth, we think the wisdom in selecting those particular ones in Acts 6 who came from that group and understood those needs shows some wisdom in moving forward with having a strong argument for instituting a deacon ministry here at Grace Fellowship. So as the elders have talked and prayed about this, it's become our desire to restructure some things here at the church, and by the end of this year, have deacons who will serve in various roles in the life of the church. Now, we're working through all of this, and our goal this morning is not to share all the details of what this would look like, but pray that it lays some groundwork and gives some of the conclusions that we've come to as a team. What groundwork do I hope that we're laying here? It's a great question. See, you're two for two. This is wonderful. The fact that we are all called personally to be like Mary and Martha. You, sitting here today, are called to both sit at the feet of Jesus and to serve him and meet the needs of people in and around you. We are all called to be hearers of the word and also doers of the word who prioritize others as greater than ourselves. But of course, some, even in this expression of the body of Christ, are set apart as elders and deacons to give extra time and devotion to one or the other of these tasks. Who is that? What are the activities that those deacons would be doing? Three for three, I'm glad you asked. That will be the subject next week. Next Sunday, we will talk about that. But as you sit here today, let me encourage you that you are not exempt from this call. We are all called to listen and contemplate what the Lord says to us in the scriptures and through the church. But we are all also called to serve him and all of his peoples with all of ourselves, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love others as yourself. Serve in the church. Serve in your home. Serve in the community and in the world. Jesus himself loved to serve. He came humbling himself in order to serve you and to serve me and his church is marked by loving servants. So I want you to ask yourself, how can I be a better Mary and Martha, and where can I serve the Lord Jesus in the church to display the love and kindness and grace of God? That's my prayer for us today as we think about this. And then beyond that, there are some of you that perhaps the Lord is calling to serve as a deacon here at Grace Fellowship. And over the next couple of weeks, as we talk more about this, perhaps that call will become clearer even for you as you have been gifted to serve the Lord in just that way. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.